Hi everybody and welcome to Mind Tap with Alternative Therapeutics. I'm Olivia. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chase. We decided to create this podcast as an outlet for us to discuss the topic of mental health in a really broad sense, modern therapies related to mental health, neuroscience, self-care, and a variety of other topics depending on current trends and our personal interests. And today we are going to be talking about neurofeedback. We'll give a little history about neurofeedback, talk about what it is, who it helps, and how we use it in session with clients. Absolutely. And I wanted to add too, the reason we're putting this as our first podcast episode is because it's a how Alternative Therapeutics started and it's one of the cornerstones of our treatment with clients. So yeah. I hope you enjoy. history on on neurofeedback where did it come from sure so neurofeedback has been around for quite a while Uh, it actually was discovered in the 1960s I believe Uh, there was an experiment being done on cats actually and they were encouraging or they were researching seizure activity in cats and uh, by happenstance they discovered that by modulating EEG activity or the electrical activity of the brain they could reduce the seizure activity that the cats were experiencing. So it was kind of uh, discovered by accident but the researchers then took it further and applied it to humans and discovered that there's all sorts of different uses for for neurofeedback. And so yeah it's been around since the 60s. Technology's come a long way since then and there's Uh, various types of neurofeedback out there now and a lot of different applications but yeah it's been around quite a while. Awesome. So maybe can you tell us a little bit about what neurofeedback is? What it is. Okay so neurofeedback is also known as EEG biofeedback so we'll break those terms down. So biofeedback is a um, term for training some sort of autonomic response within the body. So any sort of response that is normally out of our control, such as the way that we breathe or the way that our heart beats or the electrical activity of our brain or our EEG. So that is produced without our knowledge, without our control. It's done automatically while we sleep, you know, all throughout the day. But we can use technology to help us learn to uh, control that activity. And that can have a lot of different benefits. So if we can learn to regulate the way that our brain is functioning, we can learn to regulate our emotions, we can learn to regulate our cognition or the way that we think about things. Uh, We can heal wounds from uh, injuries or traumas that have occurred. So there's all different uh, benefits to, to using neurofeedback. Nice. So how exactly does neurofeedback work? So yeah, there are, we all produce EEG, as I was mentioning, electrical activity of the brain. There are five main types of uh, activity that we all produce, delta, theta, alpha, and beta. Wait, I said five, that was four. And gamma, that's the fifth one. 
We don't talk about Gamma too much. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so all of these different brainwave activities are very important. They all uh, create different brain states. So, for example, Delta is really important for sleep. Um, alpha is really important for relaxation. That's what we produce most when we are meditating or if we're in a meditative state. Beta is important for outright thinking, problem solving, and things like that. Um, and so all these different brainwaves serve a, an important purpose, but if they become imbalanced in some way, they can create issues. So in the example of somebody with ADD, oftentimes they are producing too much theta activity, which causes them to daydream a lot, zone out, have trouble staying focused in class and so forth. And so if we can train the brain to produce less of that activity that's causing them issues, and enhance the activity that will help them stay relaxed and focused, then they will, in turn, reduce the symptoms that they deal with. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> How, does, How it does it work? work? How does it work? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. So it works, yeah, by modulating the, the, the EEG. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yep. No, oh, that's great. So with that, like how it works, what would be normal things that people present as would be seeking neurofeedback? Like what kinds of things are normally what people... Address with neurofeedback? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there has been um, countless things that neurofeedback has been researched and studied with. And so I hesitate to answer this question concretely because really mm-hmm. anything that somebody, anything that somebody's dealing with that has to do with mental health or cognitive sure. health probably can be addressed with neurofeedback. Um, but as far as research goes, what's been most commonly addressed with neurofeedback uh, would be anxiety, depression, attention deficit disorders, um, Asperger's or autism spectrum disorder, brain injuries, um, trauma or PTSD, addictions, and what am I forgetting? Cognitive decline is a big one. Hmm. Uh, and then also uh, one that I always like to mention is peak performance. So people who don't necessarily have a major cognitive or mental health concern, but just want to t- tune up, give their brain a tune up or sharpen up uh, their cognitive abilities. Uh, are, are very well suited for neurofeedback also. Professional athletes use use it a lot, do peak performance, right? Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. um, uh, in my past, I've worked a lot with former NFL players because of tra- uh, traumatic brain injuries, but um, as a result of that experience, I've worked with other professional athletes um, who really enjoy the benefits because it can help you not only stay really focused on you know whatever you're working towards, but to stay really calm and not overreact to when things get stressful or when things get hard, uh, it can really help you just improve that zone that, that athletes talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty great stuff. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about the different types of neurofeedback and um, even like specifically what we, we use here as well out of yeah. therapeutics. Yeah, that's a good question. So. Uh, it's really changing all the time, and so I try and stay up on the latest and greatest. Um, but the the types that we use here, we'll start with that. The types that we use here are called Clarity Direct is the brand name for it. We are around here, you and I, uh, and Chase, we call it direct neurofeedback. Um, it is a type of neurofeedback that doesn't 
doesn't require um, concrete learning from the individual, meaning the person isn't actively trying to mimic um, certain brainwave activity or create certain brainwave activity. Mm -hmm. What's happening is the program is reading their brainwave activity moment by moment and then feeding back, depending on the protocol that we're using, um, electrical activity that's slightly different than what the person's producing. So um, if the person's brain is producing too many fast waves, creating anxiety or pain or sleeplessness or whatever it is that, that they're seeing us for, the program's gonna feed back um, activity that's a little bit slower. So then the brain perceives that activity and then mimics it, and that allows the brain to break out of stuck patterns that it might be dealing with. Um, so that's clarity direct. And then we also use a form of active neurofeedback, which is also traditional, uh, it's been around since the 1960s, this form of neurofeedback, which is sho literally showing the person when their brain is performing the way that we want it to. Um, and that teaches them to produce more of that activity over time. So it's a learning process. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we use that with all different kinds of things, don't we? Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about how that works. Like what, what is the client doing at that time for the active neurofeedback? Yeah, so um, in the, it's probably easiest to give an example. So say somebody's coming to us with anxiety. Oftentimes per people with anxiety are producing too much high beta activity, which causes them to overthink things, worry too much, stay stuck on thoughts, have trouble letting go. Um, and so we want to calm down that particular type of activity and we want to enhance probably alpha activity, which helps them stay calm and feel relaxed. Mm -hmm. So they have an electrode that's attached with paste to their scalp that's reading their moment by moment brainwave activity. We, the clinician, are sitting at the computer monitoring their, their brain's activity. We are putting in the protocol that we want um, on the computer as far as what we want to enhance and what we want to diminish as far as brainwave activity. And the client is sitting in a comfortable chair and they have a tablet and they're either playing a video game or watching a movie that will help them to see you know, visually when they're doing the right thing with their brain. So when their brain is doing what we want based on the protocol, um, say less beta, more alpha, to be less anxious, more calm, their character's winning their video game or if they're watching a YouTube video, the screen is bright and they're able to see it versus when their brain starts to go out of that pattern, the screen goes dull. So it's literally a moment by moment learning um, that occurs it's really a subconscious process. It's not like the person is, is co consciously um, manipulating their brainwave activity. They're just staying calm. They're just staying relaxed. But the brain subconsciously is paying attention and noticing what it's doing to get that reward or get that feedback. Mm -hmm. And then naturally, over time, it starts to do more of that. Um, it's based on operant conditioning. If anyone's ever taken Psych 101 or <laughs> back from their college days, um, operant conditioning where you learn based on reward. That's yeah. where, the, where the theory came from. Cool. And it's funny how you say it's nothing like the client really does, the brain just kind of does it itself. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that when clients do try, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because exactly. they're getting anxious or they're not focusing or I mean mm -hmm. their brain's not doing what it's supposed to do. So I always exactly. have to remind people to sit calm and just let your brain... Do what it needs to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if you start trying too hard, then that <coughs> that's going to produce beta activity, which is what we're trying to <laughs> downtrain. So yeah. it will not get get you what you want. Yeah. So how would you say 
a neurofeedback session would differ from just like a normal, like a typical stereotypical therapy session? Like what looks different? Yeah, so it's a lot, it's a lot different. Um, <clears throat> typical, typical therapy, well, typical therapy can look a lot of different ways, so mm -hmm. I don't want to put other therapists in a box necessarily, but typical therapy involves a lot of talking, um, processing emotions, talking about si past situations, learning coping skills and tools and things like that. When we're applying neurofeedback, we usually are also incorporating some therapy, so there is some of that involved. Mm -hmm. But the bulk of the session is usually focused on using the technology to uh, to train the brain, to, to train the brainwave activity to uh, look a certain way. So uh, there's been research done on this, and I think there should be more research done because I think it's a really interesting question on what works best. I think research has shown and I believe personally that the the combination of a, a skilled clinician plus neurofeedback is the best combination for getting people the best results if we just use neurofeedback or if we just use therapy I don't think people would get as far mm -hmm. as having that that combination so I think that's really important yeah that actually kind of brings me to the next question of like who is able to provide neurofeedback yeah yeah um, that is really important because there are a lot of people who are technically able to provide neurofeedback who, in my opinion, maybe shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> uh, so what is important, in my opinion, is being BCIA certified. So um, BCIA is the, is the worldwide organization that gives out certification to those who have met the criteria to become board certified in neurofeedback. So that is one thing. And in order to become board certified in providing neurofeedback, one, you have to be, you have to have some sort of advanced healthcare license. So whether that's a mental health counselor, a chiropractor, a, a, a medical physician, different, you know, you basically have to have at least a master's degree in some sort of healthcare field. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, <clears throat> There are people out there, you know, you can, any, any person can buy neurofeedback equipment and start using it and, mm -hmm. and start using it on other people because there's no governing body that's going to tell you you can't, mm -hmm. right? So there's people out there who do use neurofeedback equipment who don't have any, you know, structured training or aren't BCIA certified. Just because somebody is a healthcare professional and also has neurofeedback equipment doesn't necessarily mean that they are trained and certified either so I think that's probably the most important thing is like making sure that they are an advanced professional and have that BCIA certification because mm. um, yeah. it can be you know neurofeedback is very safe and effective and there's very little side effects but um, every now and again something strange can come up or especially for those who've experienced uh, deep trauma and things like that you want to be prepared, you want to be trained uh, as a clinician to be able to deal with those sorts of things yeah. um, if and when they come up. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I guess the last question I have, I don't know, Chase, if you have anything else, yeah. but like who can, can use neurofeedback? Is there like a specific population? Not necessarily what like mental health issues, but like age range? Yeah. What? Yeah, um, all ages. Um, for the active form of neurofeedback, you 
I think the youngest person that we've seen is four. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so they have to be old enough to to know how a video game works or know how a, a screen works to mm-hmm. get that type of neurofeedback. But the direct neurofeedback, anybody, we could do it on a, a baby if we wanted, mm-hmm. if someone mm-hmm. would want to do that. Um, it's in our experience and in the research uh, field, it shows typically the younger people tend to respond faster and more efficiently because their brain's younger, more plastic, they say, more changeable, more moldable. Mm -hmm. So young people tend to respond really well. Not to say that older people can't benefit as well, it just might might take a little bit longer. Um, But yeah, any, any age, Anybody can can really benefit. What about level of functioning, like developmental or intellectual functioning? Same, yeah. There's really no, um, yeah, there's no cutoff for that. I will say uh, one thing that is important that we all try and coach our clients in is lifestyle because neurofeedback is not a magic bullet. Like it's super effective and has a lot of benefits, but... If someone comes to us and it, you know, is very overweight, has a terrible diet, smokes a pack of cigarettes a day, drinks a case of beer every day, you know, <laughs> if they're not taking care of themselves, uh, neurofeedback is going to be, you know, a needle in the haystack. It's not going to, it's not going to do very much. So um, having a whole you know, overlook of the person's lifestyle and helping them also to learn skills that are useful in staying calm or learning to focus you know those are all also really important things that we address as well Mm -hmm. yeah great so if someone wanted to learn more about neurofeedback (coughs) like what kind of books or what material what would be out there that they would benefit from looking into yeah so one i would direct people to our website i think we have a pretty good knowledge base on there i i have links to different videos that i found helpful in explaining neurofeedback i personally have made some videos in explaining explaining neurofeedback so our website's www.trainyourbrainohio.com books my favorite book that i tell everybody to start off with is the symphony in the brain It gives a lot of back history as far as how neurofeedback came to be, the different key players in the field, how research has gone and so forth. So that's more of a technical look at uh, the history of neurofeedback. Um, There's some great Facebook groups actually out there for the both clinicians and for lay people who want to learn more. You can ask, you can look through the forums and look at other people's experiences and um, you know, just kind of see how other people have have experienced neurofeedback and get get some information that way. That's, that would be the, the places that I would start. Yeah. Cool. Great. Anything else? Is there anything else that you want to mention, Brittany, that we haven't really covered? Mm, I don't think so. I think there was one question about the other types of neurofeedback. I, I talked about the types that we use. <clears throat> There's some other types out there as well that I didn't mention. Um, one is neurooptimal. Neuro that's a pretty popular one that's becoming pretty widespread across the country. Um, I don't have anything positive or negative to say about that type of neurofeedback, but I would just again encourage whoever 
is seeking neurofeedback to make sure that the person is BCIA certified or being supervised by somebody who's BCIA certified. Uh, just because you want to you want to make sure that the person knows what they're doing and that they're properly trained. Um, so yeah, that's my, my disclaimer that I wanted to throw out there. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for interviewing me. That was fun. That was fun. Love talking about my, my favorite subject. <laughs> talking about yourself. I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know, and I wanted to mention too, neurofeedback was kind of the reason that alternative therapeutics came to be you know that was my first passion as far as a therapeutic tool to use with people and so that's how this came to be but I have always known and envisioned adding other therapies like knowing that neurofeedback is a great tool but it's not the be-all end-all for things and so mm-hmm. yeah I'm really excited <clears throat> to have Chase now and also have added EMDR as another tool that we use here mm-hmm. and so with that being said next week that's what we're going to talk about, right? Yep. Yeah, so we're going to have Chase talk about EMDR and what it is and who it can help, uh, who it can be helpful for, and yeah, all those kind of details. So tune in next time to learn more about EMDR. Yeah.